If the law can't save us, then what good is it? Well, that's what Dr. J. Vernon McGee discusses today in our continuing study of the New Testament book of Galatians, chapter 3. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz. And as you hop aboard the Bible bus and find your seat, Greg and I have got an update on a country that, well, frankly, we don't talk about very much. Yeah, actually, Steve, it thrills me when you say that, and I'll tell you why. Because our commitment is the whole word to the whole, whole world. world, not just the parts that are real responsive or easy. Yeah. And uh, when we say that we're talking about a country that we don't hear much about or talk much about, don't forget, we are there every day with the word of God. And and the country we want to talk about this week is Portugal, because our world prayer team is traveling through southern Europe. And here are some other countries maybe people don't think much about or hear much about. About. Uh, we're talking about Croatia, Montenegro, Italy, Serbia, and of course, today we want to just share a bit about our ministry in Portugal. Yeah, and I think it's important for for listeners to to realize the the level of commitment that we've got to these these ministries. I mean, Portugal, it's not like it's a new country for us. We've no. been there since 2003, <laughs> yeah, which 20 years. 20 <laughs> yeah. years of ministry uh there. And in fact, I believe our our fine producer Nathan has <laughs> teed up for us a brief clip of the Portuguese program. Olá, caro amigo, estamos de novo no programa O Som do Livro. And, you know, that gives you a little taste. Uh, you can always go on our website, ttb.org, and, and find uh, many, many different uh, audio renditions of Dr. McGee's teaching. What I find interesting is sometimes we play something, say, from an African country, and it's really yeah. upbeat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we play something from uh, one of the East Asian or Southeast Asian, and it's yeah. got this sort of music that to us sounds very foreign and it the the key thing is what we call these are not translations of Dr. McGee they are cultural adaptations, adaptations but yeah. the the theology does not get changed right right and you know like all parts of the world Portugal has its own set of challenges particularly an aging church mm-hmm. and there's really historically at least recently a lack of interest from those who are under 40 so they're in a sense losing their younger generation which much yeah. of Europe has done as yeah. well yeah, and, and even those that identify, it's really a cultural faith, you know, yeah. it's, and that, we see that all over the world with very different religions. But, but of course, we're always encouraged to look for those, those, uh, those gleams of, of light that God yep. is reaching people. So you want to share this one from Lucio? Yeah, it's Lucio and uh, Sao Jao da Pasquera. Yeah, you're Maybe? getting good okay. at these foreign uh, pronunciations. There we go. Yeah. I enjoy listening to your Bible study. I have learned a lot. I was an assiduous member of the church, which I believe means hardworking yeah, d- or disciplined committed. Disciplined hardworking, yes. yeah. Um, here close to home. I even sang in the choir. But lately, I have been disenchanted with the church and what I see in the lives of Christians. So I thank you for the teaching you have brought us. I have learned like never before. And I think this points out a very uh, significant way God uses our ministry, which is we support the local church yes. and we, we encourage people to go to Bible believing churches. But if like this person, they leave the church, we are still speaking to them from the scriptures right. and often they come back. Yeah. So that, uh, I remember we had a staff member who was thinking about joining our team and he was very, concerned about ministry in the local church and yeah. now he doesn't ask that question anymore because he sees it every day how we minister in yes. and through local churches yep. Yep. okay now here's uh, carlota in uh, coimbria who tells us hi it's me again i want to thank you for the programs i am spreading the word among my neighbors they love them too we've even started a group here to study the bible 
Hmm. And, you know, we talk about our home group ministry, yes. but yes. this is the Holy Spirit-driven home group ministry in Portugal. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to when we're going to have those Bible companions out in all those different languages as well. Greg, I don't think we're going to have time. Unfortunately, yeah. we've got more testimonies yep. from Portugal, but let's let's pray as we begin our program. Why don't you open us? Father, thank you that your word is going out all over the world. Thanks to the faithfulness of our prayer supporters and those who are able to give. We thank you that we can just hold out your word every day in all of these countries around the world and and see these encouraging moments of hope that your word is transforming lives no matter where people live. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's open to Galatians 3 as we begin our study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible. Now today, friends, we come back here to Galatians, the third chapter, and we put in at verse 24. And let me look at this and read it. Wherefore the law, not was, but is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now we've come to a very remarkable section here, and I say that every day, I think, but it's true every day, and it certainly is true today. This is the reason right through here that Martin Luther could say, this is my epistle, I'm wedded to it. It's in this section here that that young man, John Wesley, who'd come to this country as a missionary, and he was walking down Aldersgate, because when he came to this country, he said, I came to America to convert Indians, but who's going to convert John Wesley? And that night, he heard this section of Galatians explain, and my did wonders for him, and he was used of God to bring in the greatest spiritual movement that the English-speaking world has ever had. Now, will you note here, he's going to say and does say that God refuses to accept the works of any man for salvation. He says the righteousness of man's filthy rags in his sight and in Romans 4, 5, he made it very clear, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, God refuses to accept law-keeping. God refuses today to accept that. Paul's making it very clear here that the law could not save you. All it did was bring death. And fact of the matter is, the law was not given to save sinners. It was given to show them that they are lost sinners. We are told in verse 19 that we had saw last time, it was added for the sake of transgressions. Let you know that you're a sinner. And therefore, the law, as we've said, will not remove sin. It'll reveal sin. Now, I want to use an illustration that I think might be helpful. It's a very homely illustration, and don't be afraid of it. I'm going to take you to the bathroom. <laughs> I hope you don't misunderstand. I'll take you to your bathroom. I'm confident that every one of you listening to me at this moment, that you have at home a bathroom in which you have a wash basin, and above that wash basin, a mirror. Now, that wash basin serves a purpose, and the mirror serves a purpose. Now, you get a smudge spot, say, on your face, and you go in 
the bathroom, you look in the mirror, you see that smudge spot. Now, what do you do? Well, you don't use the mirror to remove it, do you? I don't imagine you do. If you see a smudge spot, then you lean over and rub your face against the mirror. And one of your loved ones comes by and sees you. They'll feel sorry for you and call a psychiatrist and make an appointment just to find out what's wrong with you. But my friend, that just wouldn't happen in our home because we're not that silly. I guess none of us are quite that silly of rubbing up against the mirror. But today we've got multitudes of people in our churches that are rubbing up against the mirror of the law of God and thinking they're going to remove it. You don't remove the spot by rubbing against the mirror. You see, the law reveals the Word of God is a mirror. And it shows us who we are and what we are, that we are sinners and that we've come short of the glory of God. That's what the law reveals. Now, thank God, beneath the mirror there's a basin. That's where you remove the spot. And my friend, the mirror is the Word of God. And the law, the law is the mirror that you just don't rub up against. It just shows us. But thank God, beneath that mirror... There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. So there is a wash basin, and the law proves man a sinner and never makes him a saint. The law was given, as Paul says in Romans, that every mouth might be stopped and the whole world become guilty before God. Now will you notice, verse 24, wherefore the law is our schoolmaster. Now what does he mean by that? He goes on to say, verse 25, but after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now the word is pedagogus, and it doesn't mean school teacher. It's schoolmaster here, and that's a good word. But it meant something quite different back in the days of Paul. In the Roman household, there were certain servants that had charge of the children. For instance, there was a servant that had charge of the man's chattels, such as his plows, his chariots, and his livestock. Then there was a servant that had charge of the man's bookkeeping, his personal affair his bank deposit, his bonds, and that sort of thing. Then there was the servant that had charge of his children. Now, that servant in the Roman home, he took the little one born in the home. He raised him. He's the one who changed his dieties. He's the one who blew his nose. He's the one that changed his clothes. He's the one that fed him. He's the one that spanked him, and he's the one that fed him. And then there came a day when the little fella was ready to go to school. And this pedagogus took him by the hand and led him to school and turned him over to the school teacher. Now, that's where the word pedagogus gets its name. Now, that word ped there at the beginning, we get our word pedal from it. It has to do with the feet down here. And ago means to lead. That means simply this, that this servant took that little child by the hand and led him to school and turned him over to the school teacher. You see, that's a pedagogus. 
Now, the law was a pedagogus. The law took you and me by the hand, brought us to the cross of Christ, and said, Little fella, there's your Savior. You're to trust Him. You see, the law was to lead us to Christ. Now, we come here to a very wonderful section. Not that we haven't been in one, but verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is going to show in the remainder of this chapter and also in chapter 4, the first part of it, some of the benefits that come to us by trusting Christ that we could never get under law. In other words, the law never did give a believer the nature of a son of God. Christ can do that. And only faith in Christ can today make us sons of God. And that's the only thing that will. Law never made us son of God. Now, let's look at this for just a moment. He says, for ye are all the children. I'd like to change that. And I think it's in this New Schofield Reference Bible. They have changed that to sons. And I'm glad they made that change. Because the Greek word is weos, and it means sons. And I used to say legitimate sons of God. And somebody came to me and said, are there any other kind of children that God has other than legitimate? Well, that's accurate. He doesn't have but one kind. That's legitimate sons of God. And friends, I just use it for emphasis, therefore. You are made a legitimate son of God by faith in Christ, and that's all that it takes. Not faith plus something equals salvation, but faith plus nothing makes you a son of God, and nothing else will make you a son of God. Now, will you notice this? For ye are all the sons of God. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. Not faith plus something else, but faith. And have you ever noticed that the individual Israelite back in the Old Testament with the law was never a son of God. God called the nation Israel his son. He says, Israel, my son. Now, the corporate nation was looked at as a son and also called the elect nation. But that elect nation was generally just a remnant. And the individual Israelite was never called a son of God. What was he called? He was called a servant of Jehovah or a servant of God. Now, you have, for instance, Moses. How did God speak of Moses? Now, Moses was on very intimate terms with God. And God said to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's what he said at the end. That's his epitaph. That's the best God could say of him. Moses, my servant. And then the man after God's own heart, David. God said to him, David, my servant. You see, even if you kept the law, friends, which you don't do, but even if you did, it would be your righteousness, and your righteousness would be actually inferior to the righteousness of God. It would not measure up to his righteousness, and it requires his righteousness, you see. And we are told now very definitely in the New Testament John 1, 11, he came unto his own, 
and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he the exousion power, the authority, the right to become the sons of God, even to those that don't do any more nor less than simply trust him, believe in his name. He said one night to a religious ruler by the name of Nicodemus was religious to his fingertips, and he had a God-given religion. It had gone to seed, but he was following that meticulously. And our Lord said to him that night, "'Ye must be born again.'" Nicodemus was not a son of God. (laughs) He said to him, "'Ye must be born again.'" And I want to make it very plain, and I want to be very dogmatic right here. Your prayers, your fundamental separation, and your gifts that you boast that you have today, and your baptism will never make you a son of God. The only thing that makes you a son of God is faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. Now, I want to make this statement. It needs to be made today. And I don't want to be ugly, but I guess I am going to be ugly. My wife says, when you say you don't want to be ugly, you always turn around and you're ugly. Well, I guess that's what I'm going to be. Will you listen? The most damnable heresy that's ever been propagated in this world is the heresy of the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. It is that teaching of liberalism that has caused this nation to spend and give away about 340-some-odd billions of dollars throughout the world. And our insides are hated today throughout the world. (laughs) Why? Because all of us are the children of God, you know. And we have sat down at council tables, these diplomatic squabbles, with some of the biggest rascals the world has ever seen. And we talk about that we are being honest and honorable and that today we are all the children of God and we must act like sons of God. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ never said anything like that. He looked at a group of religious rulers and he said to them, "'Ye are of your father the devil, and the works of your father you will do.'" Now, I didn't say that. The gentle Jesus said that. Evidently, there was somebody in his day that was not a son of God. My friend, I think the devil still has a lot of children running around in this world today. They're not all sons of God. The only way you can become a son of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let's move on down. He says here in verse 28, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And I just passed by verse 27. I'll have to pick it up. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, I hope that you're not thinking that baptism here means water baptism. Water baptism is always the ritual baptism, and I believe in it. I believe in it with all my heart. And I think every believer should be baptized. And in my book, why today, although I was brought up at the beginning in the Methodist church and then I was in the Presbyterian church, 
and I am an ordained Presbyterian preacher, actually, I believe in immersion. I think that it best represents the thing that is spoken of by real baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you receive that the moment you trust Christ. What does that do? That takes you and puts you in the body of believers. Paul says, by one spirit are we all baptized into the body of Christ. That means we are identified. We are put in reality and truth in the body of believers, the church. And he's saying here, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. You are seen in Christ. God sees you in Christ, and therefore he sees you perfect. And you can't add to that, by the way. Now, in this body of believers, there's neither Jew nor Greek. And this is the only thing that rubs out racial lines, is when you come to Christ. And any man in Christ is my brother. And I don't care what the color of his skin is. It's the color of his heart I'm interested in. And there are a lot of white people walking around with some very black hearts, my friend. And they just don't happen to be my brothers. I don't care what you say. And it's only in Christ that we're made one. And thank God today, and I rejoice, I get letters from people of every race now that the radio reaches out. And they call me brother, and I call them brother. Why? Because we are brethren. We are going to be together throughout eternity. We are in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. This matter of capital and labor, the only thing that could bring them together is Christ, of course. And there's neither male nor female. Now, somebody says, wait a minute. Well, this gets rid of women's lib, by the way, because the only place you can be made one's in Christ. And until then, I'm sorry, ladies, but men are going to dominate this world. This is a man's world. Now, I'm getting trouble saying that, but that's just the way I look at it today. But you can be made one in Christ Jesus. We're all made one in Christ. How wonderful it is. Then he goes on to say, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. <laughs> How? And heirs according to the promise. Well, because of the fact that Abraham was saved by faith. And we are saved by faith. Abraham brought a little sacrifice looking to the coming of Christ. He's already come now. And in point in time, I look back in history to the time he came, and I say 1,900 years ago, the Son of God came, died on the cross for me that I might have life. And today I trust him, and I'm of Abraham's seed. I had the privilege of speaking to a group of wonderful Jewish folk some time ago, and I started in. I said, well, it's always a privilege to me to speak to the sons of Abraham. And they all smiled. And then I said because I'm a son of Abraham, too. And they didn't all smile then. In fact, some of them had sort of a question mark on their faces, and rightly so. Why? Because if I'm in Christ, and you're in Christ, then we belong to Abraham's seed, and we're heirs according to the promise. How wonderful this is. Now Paul is going to discuss another way in which faith in Christ gives to us something that the law never could. And we find here in chapter 4 that it gives to us the position of sons of God. Now, only faith in Christ can give you the position. That is, bring you to the place of full maturation, where you can be full-grown. 
where you can be an adult. And as Paul said to the Corinthians, he says, be men. (laughs) He wrote to them at the beginning, and he said, you are babes in Christ, you're carnal. Now, when he gets over in the 14th chapter, he says, look, be men. Grow up now. Cut out the baby's stuff. And he wants you and me to do that because he's put us in the position of a full-grown son. And somebody says, well, how does that work? Well, as you can see, it'll have to work next time because we're not going to be able to talk about it today. But next time, we're going to see how faith in Christ gives us the position of sons in God and the works of the law could never do that for you and me. May God richly bless you, my beloved. That's right. Next time, we'll learn how faith in Jesus Christ gives us the position as sons and daughters of God. How great is that? Be prepared by reading through chapter 4 of Galatians. Until then, you can be in touch at ttb.org or by calling us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.